Welcome to Inspiring People and Places, where we interview national leaders in the architectural, engineering, construction, and development industry in an effort to educate, innovate, and inspire industry professionals to disrupt the status quo, improve their project teams, and steward public and private investments more effectively. I'm your host, BJ Kramer, President and CEO of MCFA. Allow me to introduce today's guest. All right, inspiring people in places. Excited for our next guest. I don't. I don't know that we've had a guest that's that's got this story, but this is essentially a very successful top executive at a billion dollar AEC company who has joined the the dynamic and challenging and exciting world of entrepreneurship. So he's an entrepreneur and a thought leader, and. I'm going to jump to maybe the end of the story here because I want to start one of the books he wants to share with our our audience in a giveaway is called 10X is Easier Than 2X by Dan Sullivan and Ben Hardy. Justin doesn't know this, but I am a huge Dan Sullivan fan. He is also the who not how guy and the gap and the gain guy. You've probably heard me reference those. So Welcome to the show, Justin Wright. We're going to dig into your story, and I want to start with how you got your hands on Ben Ben Hardy's book. Thanks, BJ. Yeah, it's a great place to start. So 10X is Easier Than 2X. It's a new book that Dan Sullivan and Dr. Ben Hardy put out recently, and I read it, and it's a fascinating book. It's something that really impacted me and my way of looking at life and, and the world. The concept of the book is that It's easier for you to make a major transformational change in your business or in your life than it is to try to continue incrementally improving. And at first, you're like, that doesn't make any sense. But when you read the book, it really lays it out clearly. It's very practical, actionable, and that's the kind of book that I like. And Dr. Hardy sent me a dozen copies of it, asked me to share them with my friends. I I had linked, connected with him on LinkedIn and told him that I really enjoyed his book. And so he sent me some more. And what I liked about it is this idea that if you have to really change the way that you think about things. So let's say that you, you have a goal in your business to grow 10 times in, in two years. You can't do that the normal way. You can't do it the way that you're doing things every day. You can't just make little changes here and there to grow 10 times. You would have to throw all of your plans out the window and start fresh. And that kind of original thinking, that creative process is what gets you to the next level of life. I've seen that myself multiple times in my career and in my personal life, that doing the things that you've always been doing doesn't get you to the next destination. So really a cool book. If you've always done, or if you always do what you've always done, you'll always get what you've always got is uh, another saying around that. I am. All right. So. We start every show kind of building rapport about your background. You you were a former exec in the AEC world. So talk to us about your career journey, how you how you landed at the top of a of a mega AEC organization. Share who it was if you if you'd like, and then we'll sure. dig into this this entrepreneurial shift. Yeah, absolutely. So my journey up the mountain was a windy path. <laughs> when I was in, in school getting my MBA in marketing, I probably imagined that my career would be one straight line you know, up the corporate ladder. It didn't work out that way. And I'm sure a lot of people can relate to that. So I started in the AEC business about 16 years ago 
with a small company, construction management firm. I was a marketing director and it had just been acquired by this big company called Arcadis, big global company. So my first foray into the AC business was an integration, which, you know, a, a theme for my career is transformation. And I think a lot of people in the AEC business can relate to that. So we were bought by this big firm. We went through the process of becoming part of this big company. And in doing so, it opened up a lot of career opportunities for me. I was able to move from marketing into sales leadership. I was able to lead the sales process for these big mega contracts. Over my career, I've had the chance to oversee the sales process for about $700 million worth of contracts and renewals. So a lot of those things I really enjoyed. I, I, I'm very passionate about the pursuit of, of the big wins. And I'll share a little story early in my career, about a few years into my time with Arcadis, everything changed for me. So I was doing great, having great success in my role. And one day out of the blue, I get a call from my boss and he says, listen, you're, you're not going to like this news that I have for you. But the company, his boss had made a decision that it was time for me to be in a different role. And the reason for that was, even though I had an MBA in marketing and was doing a seller job in this role, they decided that they wanted to have an engineer in this particular role. And I didn't have an engineering degree. And so at first I was devastated. I mean, I, I really enjoyed what I was doing. There was a lot of uncertainty about what that would mean for me, what my role would be. And when it rains, it pours. So in addition to that, I had some challenges in my personal life. My health wasn't great. I had gained a lot of weight and I was weighing about 320 pounds at the time. My wife was having some health problems. We had a seven-year-old son. And so all of this chaos is happening in my life. And I'm starting to think, you know, what can I do to get control of my, of my world? And I think that was a good opportunity for me to refocus on what really mattered. I put a lot of effort and energy into getting my health on track. I spent about a year, lost over 100 pounds. In the process, I came in contact with some mentors in my company that were really supportive of me. Um, one of my mentors was a senior executive who ran a lot of marathons and he got me into running long distances. And together we went and ran a half marathon and that really helped propel my fitness journey. And then he became a sponsor for me and he started opening doors for me. So what could have been a detour where I said, you know, I'm going to leave the company. I'm not going to stick with this. They, they didn't think I was doing a good job. Let me let me move on and do something different. Instead, I, I doubled down, I refocused, I got my life in order, and everything started to change for me at that point. So I was able to, from there, get mentored by the global CEO and some of the board members. They opened up an opportunity for me to lead an integration of two major architecture firms that we acquired, both thousand member architecture firms to make this global powerhouse. And so I got to travel the world. I got to go to China. I got to go to the, the UK and, uh, and meet all of these amazing architects, creative people, and, and learn about that business. Then my boss retired and opened up an opportunity for me to lead the business line that he was leading as the division president for our PMCM division. Then it became our buildings division. And I got to run a PL. I got to be responsible not only for growing the business, but also managing it well and leading all of the people. And then <laughs> one day I get a call from our CEO and he says, listen, we're having some challenges in our technology.
team. We've had a, a, a gap in leadership there for about seven months without a CIO. And I know technology is not your background, but you're great leading people and leading teams. And what we really need is somebody to come and bring order in that part of the business and help it integrate better with the rest of the business so we can innovate around technology. And I was excited. Another career change, another career opportunity. So I took that call and it led to five years in technology leadership. So I've had the opportunity hmm. throughout my career to go from marketing into sales, into post-merger integration, business management, and finally into technology. It was fascinating to see all of those different sides of the AEC business and really enjoyed that time for 16 years doing those things. So you got the the education in the MBA, and then you got the application in the entire gamut of leadership roles around the table, ending in CIO, Chief Information Officer. I'm I'm curious to dig into some of the initiatives that went on as CIO. I feel like we're the the technology is developing faster than any organization can integrate it into their operations. So I'm I'm curious if you know, what initiatives you took on and what challenges you navigated in evaluating, considering, acquiring, and then operationalizing different technology systems in the AEC space, all while you've got the, the AI and ML out there that's, that's trying to figure out how it's going to get integrated into our industry. Technology and you and have the much AEC, experience with that? Yeah. Technology and AEC is really interesting because it's an industry that took a long time to start the disruption process while a lot of other industries were being disrupted. I think partly that's because the, the, the regulations in the industry, the way that it's structured, the, it's, it's a very kind of traditional approach. Not a lot has changed until recently. Not a lot has changed in the way that you build a building, right? The way that you design it, the way that you construct it. And so I think that's what kept the disruption from coming. But now it's coming fast and furious, as everybody has seen. And part of that, I think, is AI and, and the way that AI is disrupting the world. We're in the age of AI now. There's a really interesting concept called Amara's Law, which says that you tend to overestimate the impact of technology in the short term and underestimate it in the long term. And you can see that right now, what's happening with ChatGPT, for example, where everybody is trying to jump on board. Everybody's worried that it's going to disrupt your job, that it's going to change the way that you do business and all of that. So we're sort of overestimating the impact of some of these technologies today. But over the long term, they will change the world significantly. And I'll give you an example. I read a fantastic book called AI 2041. It's set in the year 2041. It's sort of, have you seen the, the series on Netflix called Black Mirror? I have not. So it's kind of futuristic, sort of Twilight Zone style show where it, it, sets, it sets things a little bit off from what you might expect them to be. So this book is about how life will be different with AI in 18 years from now. And it, for example, talks about healthcare, how we're going to have sensors on our bodies that were, will detect any minute change in, in your heart condition or you know, detect cancer at a very early stage. And these kinds of technologies will be there to help us live healthier, happier lives. But also there's a dark side to AI. There's all of this data that's being collected on us 
at any moment and you know how that data is being used and and will it be used to make decisions about our insurance rates for example and and you mm-hmm. know if, if you make a decision to go to the bar with your friends is your insurance company going to raise your rates because they're worried that you're going to get in a car accident that night on the way home you know so this kind of real time data analysis will be a lot different in 18 years from now than it is even today so anyways the these these trends these new technologies that are causing disruption are impacting the AC business as well. And some of that I think is for the good. I mean, obviously we have some big challenges in AEC around labor shortages, for example, materials are more expensive, shortages in materials and supplies. Obviously there's things like cybersecurity issues, now infrastructure is being targeted as a cybersecurity threat. And so we need technology to help us solve some of these big problems. They're not gonna go away overnight. And so the more innovation that we can have to help us solve some of these things, the faster we can get through those problems and continue to build and expand and and protect our infrastructure the way that it needs to be. Yeah. I I tend to think that our industry, the funding comes from the public side. So the biggest, you know, the procurement is driven and the business is driven by these large budgets and these large projects that come from the public sector. And the public sector, by its nature, is risk averse. So disruption or innovation, if you will, is hard to adapt because there's, I think Duke DeLuca, one of one of the generals I work for, he basically said there's not an alignment of the incentives, right? There's a public sector leader has a disincentive to take risk because they can't, they, they have no true upside when things go right. And they have only downside when things go wrong. A what what may be an innovative leader in private sector that's willing to to kind of pioneer something new and take some risk. Public side, it's just the opposite. They have a disincentive for mm-hmm. taking that risk. And then you layer on that procurement departments and and you know I'll, I'll put in quotes bureaucracies that are a part of the decision making pro- process. A, a innovative idea is not likely to get. Government's not likely to be a first adapter or adopter to to something super innovative. So it's interesting. All right. So you end Arcadis at CI as CIO. How long ago was this? And what was the what was the pivot point that or or itch you were scratching when you decided, you know what, I've I've done what I came to do and now I want to take a shot in the entrepreneurial world. Yeah. So when I left Arcadis, we had actually gone through a global operating model change or transformation that made it so we were no longer regionally focused. We were now globally focused. And part of that process was moving from a regional CIO role to a global technology executive role. So I wasn't a regional CIO at that point. I was a global technology executive. And I had been in the technology side of the business for about five years. It wasn't, I enjoyed it. I enjoyed the teams that I was working for. Some of the challenges were fascinating to try to solve and, and find solutions to, you know, the, the complexities of technology and in, in the construction industry today, but it really wasn't fueling my passion for people and, and the way that I wanted to lead my life. And so about a year ago, a little more than a year ago, I knew that I needed to make a change to pursue my passion. And 
decided that I was going to kind of set a goal to find a new role, whether it was within Arcadis or outside of Arcadis. And that led me to a bunch of different doors opening up. And we decided that it was going to be best for me to leave Arcadis and pursue an opportunity outside of the company. And so in April, I had everything set up. I got my team taken care of, got my exit plan worked out with the company so that I could leave and not worry that anybody was going to be impacted by that. And it gave me the chance now to start my own business, to become an entrepreneur. And I'm really enjoying it so far. It's only been a few months. I left in April, so it's only been a few months. But so far, it's been really invigorating for me. New challenges. Obviously, when you're in the corporate world, you get used to that kind of lifestyle. Because we became a global organized company, it was sort of a 24-7 on-call position. I had people in Asia reporting to me. I had people in South America reporting to me. Uh, and so you kind of had to be always available to make sure that your team was well supported. And now I'm able to really focus on the things that I want to do. I'm able to spend time with clients that I really enjoy spending time with, helping to make their lives better. I get to put a lot more energy and effort into building something, creating something new, and also spend more time with my family and do things that I enjoy at home more. That's great. Could you talk us through maybe a leadership lesson? You've had such a a diverse career in the AEC industry. And one of the things I love about your background is, you know, you weren't the engineer that that just worked your way up. You you really have you grew inside of an industry with what sounds like leadership skills, not so much technical skills, bringing people together and accomplishing goals and then taking the next door that opened for you. So could you talk to us about maybe a, a leadership lesson that you've you've really adopted and has served you well through that career? Yeah, that's great. For me, the common thread throughout my career, the different the different transitions that I made from marketing into sales, into post-merger integration, business operations, technology, and now into entrepreneurship, the, the common thread is people. It's the ability to understand how to connect with people, how to motivate people, how to inspire them, how to help them resolve conflicts, how to help them recognize their potential and rally around a common goal and work together. And it doesn't really matter, in my, in my experience, it doesn't really matter what role you're in if you have those kinds of skills to be able to connect with people and lead people. And for me, early in my career, I had a mentor who taught me that success is a byproduct of helping others. And I've really embraced that throughout my career. So if you're focused on making other people successful, you'll probably be successful. You're very likely to be successful yourself. And so part of what I've really tried to do as a leader in the AEC industry was build up other people, create other leaders in the process. And one thing that I really enjoy doing is leading teams that are diverse. I'm a big ally of DEIB. And so in the last few positions that I held in the corporate world, I made sure that my leadership team was very diverse, was equally represented by men and women. And you can understand that in the construction industry and in the technology space and the construction industry, that can be a challenge because there are many more men in leadership roles than there are women. 
But I have seen over and over again that you can do it if you really set your mind to it. It may mean that you have to identify high potential people early in their career and coach and mentor and sponsor them to get into the higher levels, or maybe hire people specifically to create that diversity in your teams. But that's something that was always really important to me and something that I've been a champion for. And one of my favorite books on leadership is Multipliers by Liz Weissman. If you haven't read it and you're a manager or a leader, read it. It's phenomenal. One of the things that Liz Weissman talks about is that there are behaviors that even good leaders have that can diminish your team. She calls them accidental diminishing behaviors. And, uh, you know, for example, you may be what she calls a rapid responder, the person who is always jumping in to solve the problem, not letting your team learn and struggle and, and give them a chance to solve the problem themselves. You might be what she calls the idea guy, the person that's always coming up with great ideas and saying to the team, hey, we need to be doing this. Now we need to be doing that. And it creates chaos. It, you know, they don't know whether to keep going on the idea that you gave them yesterday or whether to stop everything and go on this new idea that you're sending them on. So it's things that you think are, you, you have good intentions behind them. You think that they're helpful when in reality, it's suppressing your team. It's making them work harder instead of smarter. And so that's a, a book that I've shared with my teams that I've led. I did it as a team building activity. We read the book together. Every week we discussed a chapter of it. We talked about how it impacts us individually, how we can change these behaviors and, and be better leaders. And in doing so, it helped them to grow in their careers and, and become better leaders themselves. That's awesome. I, I'm shocked I have not heard of it, but I will, I will certainly pick it up and we will put it in the show notes. So we've got two books out of you so far. 10X is better than two or easier than 2X <laughs> and multipliers. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get beat up if I don't ask you. 10X versus 2X, how did you lose 100 pounds in a year? <laughs> well, okay, so I'll, I'll give you the short answer. I did the old-fashioned way. <laughs> Let me tell you now the story behind it. So <laughs> like I said, I got, I got to be pretty heavy, and I've been, I've been overweight for most of my life. My, my whole family has that tendency. I'm an emotional eater, so when I was growing up, you know, when you, when you, no matter what you were feeling, you were eating. If you were celebrating something, you were eating. If you were sad, you were eating. If you went to the dentist and got, you know, your teeth fixed, your mom took you to get a milkshake on the way home, that kind of thing. So I used, I used food to solve my emotional challenges for most of my life. And I got to be pretty heavy. And at one point, I, obviously my health wasn't great, but my aha moment was I was, uh, I took my son, he was seven years old. I took him to a local carnival in our neighborhood. And we stood in line to ride on the Ferris wheel. And when we got up to the Ferris wheel, we sat down and the attendant tried to put the bar over my belly and it couldn't buckle. And it was so embarrassing. I was sitting here with my son. We had to get off the ride. Everybody's looking at me. And I thought, okay, I got to change my life. I got to do something mm -hmm. different. This isn't, this isn't sustainable. And that was my aha moment. I researched nutrition. The biggest change for me, I used an app called Lose It that helped me count calories and understand what I needed to be eating. But the biggest change for me was really about nutrition, about understanding portion sizes. If you go to a restaurant and you order a normal entree, you're probably getting 2000 calories. Well, that's how many calories you need to be eating in a day for, for me at the time. And so, you know, that changed my whole mindset about food and about what I needed to be eating in order to live in a healthy, in a healthy weight. So I changed my lifestyle. I would say of the hundred pounds, 80, 90% of it was, was what I was eating, changing my nutrition. And then the other 10% was, was active, being more active and exercising. My sister was a runner. She got me into running. 
I went from being a couch potato to running a 5K, used an app called Get Running that helped me kind of work my way up over a number of weeks to be able to run a 5K. And then I told my mentor at work about it. And he's like, well, man, I've run 19 marathons. Why don't you train for a marathon next? And I'm like, what? I thought 5K was a long ways. What are you talking about? And he goes, no, no, no. Here's how we do it. He goes, you pick a marathon or a half marathon that you want to run anywhere in the world and I'll fly there and I'll meet you there and we'll do it together. And I was blown away by that, that he would believe in me that way. And so I picked the Canyonlands half marathon in Moab, Utah. And I said, hey, I'm going to be ready in March. I hope to see you there. And he showed up, took time away from his life and his family, got on a plane, met me there, and we ran together. And that was a life-changing experience for me. And so the course of, of that year, I lost a lot of weight. That really raised my confidence. It made me much more healthy, much more energetic. And it, it was more than anything, I think it was an example of you can do hard things if you put your mind to it, if you believe in yourself. And that served me well in many other lessons in my life. That's awesome. Before we get into rapid fire questions, give us the elevator pitch on what it is you are doing now as your entrepreneurial journey begins. Yep, absolutely. I started a new company and my wife and I started it together. It's called Dunright LLC. And it's a holding company for a number of businesses that we're setting up. And one of those businesses, I'm about to announce the brand and, and the concept for it coming up pretty soon. And it's all around transformation, around helping companies to transform, to create a culture that people want to be a part of, to grow their business. It's around helping professionals and executives transform in their career and get more of the skills and the the attributes that they need to be able to move up the ladder and run bigger things, lead bigger things, get into the C-suite, that kind of thing. So that's what I'm doing. I post almost every day on LinkedIn. So if anybody wants to read more about my ideas and the things that I care about, they can read that on LinkedIn. And I talk mostly about personal growth, about transformation, and about leadership. Those are my three, three content pillars on LinkedIn. Great. So you said it's a holding company. Does that mean you have intentions to start several entities underneath it? Yeah, absolutely. So I'm going to be doing a variety of different things. And one of the businesses that I just mentioned, I'll be launching pretty soon. There's a new brand that I've been developing and, and I'll put that information out pretty soon. Very cool. Inspiring People in Places is brought to you by MCFA. MCFA is a CVE verified service disabled veteran owned small business. At MCFA, our why is to inspire people and places through project leadership. We provide planning, strategy, program management, and construction management support services to a wide variety of public and private sector clients. All right, some rapid fire questions. You gave us two books. Is Multipliers your most recommended book, or do you have something else in your library that you would like to share with us? Multipliers is my go-to for leadership, uh, and I love 10x is easier than 2x for that kind of breakthrough thinking, changing the way that you're thinking about life and about business. Perfect. Favorite quotes? Yeah, I love a quote by Michael Atshuler. It goes like this. The bad news is time flies. The good news is you're the pilot. And the reason that I love that is your life is all about what you put your mind to, what you spend your time thinking about, who you surround yourself with, Everybody is always trying to find 
a way to be more productive, a way to get more done, a way to have more free time. And it's really about changing what your priorities are and making sure that you're spending your time on the things that really matter. I love that quote. As somebody that feels like time is slipping away with young kids, it's that's pretty powerful. Speaking of kids, your seven-year-old is now how old? He just started college. He turns 19 in two weeks. And wow. I have a three-year-old daughter too. So I'm uh, learning if I, if I <laughs> figured things out the first time or if I still got some things to learn about raising kids. That's great. Well, young kids will keep you young. Absolutely. One more question. If, if you could have dinner with three people dead or alive, who would they be? Yeah. So <laughs> I'm a big music fan. I love live music. And so I would have dinner with John Lennon, Paul McCartney, George Harrison, and just let them tell me about music and then play some brilliant music. I'd have it in my backyard, a barbecue. All my neighbors would be peeking over the wall to see what was going on, and it would be phenomenal. That's great. And then you've been a part of the AEC world. You're now looking to coach executives and help them you know, have a, have a bigger impact on the world. What would you like to leave with our audience who is you know, probably 50% is executives. The other 50% are probably younger professionals in their career. What would you like to share with our audience to close us out? Yeah, I think there's a lot of uncertainty today around technology. And I'm hearing from a lot of people this sort of not really knowing what to put their focus on. Are they behind the curve on AI? Do they need to be investing in this or that? And what I would say is, Take a step back, recognize that there's a lot changing and now is not the time to be picking horses. Learn as much as you can about it. You know, invest in educating your team on it, educating yourself on it. That's the most important thing right now. The technology is going to continue to evolve and it's going to start to be more clear where you want to be putting your time and energy. But for right now, just do everything that you can to learn about it and start using it where it makes sense. Look for those opportunities to bring it into your business or bring it into your own life and get that experience with it, get that exposure to it. You know, we thought years ago that automated vehicles were going to be the thing. Everybody would be in a, an automated car by now, and they're not. And it's because it takes a long time for that kind of technology to evolve to the point where it makes sense for everyday life. But in the future, it's going to be huge. Our cities will be designed around automated vehicles. You know, we won't have to drive anymore because all of the traffic changes will be sent directly to the car. There will be sensors in the roads that control where your car goes. We won't have auto accidents like we have today because the technology will be safe enough to keep us, you know, all moving in the right direction. So between here and there, there's still a lot of work to be done. And it's the same in all aspects of AI. Robotics, you know, big data, drones, all of these things are going to continue to evolve. We just need to learn about it, be prepared, but don't, don't, don't feel anxious about the fact that these things are happening. It's just a natural part of evolution of technology in the world. Awesome. Justin Wright, thank you so much for taking the time to be with us today and best of luck with Done Right LLC and your entrepreneurial journey. We greatly appreciate it. Everybody, thank you for listening and hope you have a great day and a great week. Thanks, BJ. 
Hey, everybody. If you're enjoying this show, do us a favor and subscribe to Inspiring People and Places on iTunes, Spotify, or your favorite podcast hosting platform. We'd also greatly appreciate if you left us a review and shared this with other entrepreneurial public servants and all your friends and family in the AEC space. Be sure to visit our website, www.mcfaglobal.com. Sign up for our newsletter to stay in touch with us and learn about all of the projects and clients we're helping. Last but not least, we are hiring. We are always hiring. Do us a favor. Take a look at what jobs we have open. Contact us through our website or connect with me on LinkedIn. Until next time, have a great rest of your week and a great weekend.